Hey there, John here. We are so glad you're listening to the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. If you're new to the show, I hope you find something here you'll enjoy and that gives you a reason to come back. If you've been listening for a little while or a long while, as is the case with so many of you, I want to ask a favor. Would you consider introducing us to just one friend this week? There's really no better method of advertising than word of mouth. Pick a friend who shares your sense of humor or interests, even if they don't know what a podcast is, and tell them why our show has become a regular listening for you. And be bold. Help them get a podcast app on their phone and walk them through how to subscribe to the show. We love that you're here and would greatly appreciate your recommendation. Thanks for your time. Now, let's get on with the show. Hi, I'm Tom, and I'm a Gen X Grown Up, and I support Gen X Grown Up on Patreon. And you should, too. Go to patreon.com slash Up. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners, to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I'm John. Joining me, as always, is Mo. Hey, everybody. Hey, and George is here. Hey, how's it going, guys? In this episode, as Hollywood mines Gen X pop culture for new projects, <laughs> many films from our youth are getting the remake or the reboot treatment. Oh, yeah. In this debate episode, we'll be putting the original and remake head-to-head -to, -head to find out which one comes out on top in a variety of interesting categories. Before we get into that, though, it's time for some fourth listener email. I love to stack the top of the show with that because it's just so damn much fun. <laughs> fourth listener email. This episode is from our supporter, Stu Monkey. Hey, Stu. Stu, how hey, you doing? Stu. The subject line is, I learned it by watching you. Uh-oh. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> this is in reference to our Just Say No backtrack that we did a few weeks back. He stopped doing drugs? I, I don't know, but I'm still a little creeped out. If Stu Monkey has a camera in my house, I'm going to be really pissed. <laughs> I don't know how he got it there, but kudos for him for getting it I don't know, but he's talking about watching me, and that creeps me out. It's, you know, I'm not I'm <laughs> It'll not all make sense momentarily. But, okay. No, so he says, yo, guys, one commercial I recall on the drug issue was the father who found drugs drugs in his son's room and he asked him who taught you how to use this stuff oh and the kid yells back at him you all right i learned them by watching you <laughs> that's right i remember that and i think the closing announcer said something like parents who use drugs have children who use drugs <laughs> <laughs> fucking guilt trip <laughs> that seemed a bit far-fetched to me he says at the time but i wouldn't have guessed any of my friends parents use drugs but who knows really yeah <laughs> he then goes on to say on to george's dad's comments about drugs uh <laughs> <laughs> so you want to refresh our memory george what did your dad say about using drugs uh if i catch you using drugs i'm gonna put my fist down your throat and then you can do whatever the hell you want basically was his <laughs> that's, idea that's how i remember it too Yep. He says, uh, similarly, my dad, this is uh, Stu Monkeys speaking. My dad used to tell me if I ever came home with an earring, mm -hmm. the earring was coming off and so was the ear. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, after I turned 18, I pierced my ear and came home with the earring. And I think my dad said something like, well, you're 18 now. If you want to look like an idiot, that's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> I think your dad and Stu's dad would have gotten along, George. Yeah, probably. I mean, there was a lot of Gen X parents, like the parents of Gen yeah. Xers, who had that same kind of Red Foreman vibe to them. I don't oh, think yeah. that was uncommon. Yeah. No. For us. I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stu Monkey wraps it up with one of our favorite salutations. May the fourth listener be with you. Stu Monkey. Thanks, Stu. <laughs> no, I wonder, like, when he came home, he was, like, hoping for that fight. You know? Look, right. I'm being, I'm being like he's ready. independent. I'm doing this. And your dad's like, yeah, whatever, man. You look like an idiot. All right. If the 18-year-old had, like, in the back of his mind, you know, if I whip his ass, he'll have to tell everybody that his ass got whipped by his 18-year-old earring-wearing son. And that would just totally humiliate him. So I want to beat him up. And then instead, he was just like, whatever. You're 18. Yeah. 
<laughs> Damn it. I didn't get He's my like, chance. That's not the way it's supposed to go. <laughs> Thank you for writing in, Stu Monkey. We appreciate it. Every time the fourth listener writes in, if you'd like your email featured here on the show, just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. Okay, now to business. Uh-oh. This is another of our, we get a lot of great feedback on our debate episodes. We did one on some Star Wars stuff. We did a mm-hmm. Star Trek one. And many people said, hey, do more debates. We heard you and we listened. Yeah. So <laughs> one of the topics that came up that uh, I think bears some exploration is in fact that so many of oh. our just the best films from Gen yeah, X, I know. iconic films, nobody can help with new ideas. They're remaking them or rebooting oh, yeah. them or doing over new versions over of them, again. right? So in this episode, the approach that we've taken is we're comparing the original Gen X film and its remake. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> as we were preparing for this, it was obvious that it's pretty tough to defend some of these remakes. It would be pretty lopsided because... Which is yes. why John dropped the hell out of the debate. <laughs> well, and then you changed the rules, which is fine for me. But yes, absolutely. Because I'm like, I can't argue for these new films. They're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think our rule change would have helped you stay in this debate either, though. Maybe. I don't know. I just, I couldn't. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you. It, it was, it's yeah, tough. You're not going to win that argument. It was also too big. It was too broad a thing to talk about when you start comparing past and present. So I didn't know what I could do, but George... George, luckily, he was happy to step up and he says, yeah, I'll debate. I'll clobber Mo for you. Yeah. Always, I appreciate that. I'm always ready for an argument. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm waiting. For. I'm waiting to get clobbered. <laughs> no. And that's the thing. We did something different in this one. We made sure that it was a little bit more fair and evenly distributed because the person who's on the side of the remake is going to have the tougher time in most yeah, cases. So we yeah, made sure that we flip so. things around a little bit so that we each had ample opportunity to argue for the things we love from Gen X versus the things that eh, maybe we don't love as much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Those films aren't perfect. They just are perfect kind of in our memories a bit. So I think we analyze. Right. right. Yeah. I'm excited for another debate. I'm even probably <laughs> more excited that I don't have to do the debate. So I appreciate that, both of you. <laughs> so with that, I say uh, we get into it right after this break. Yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. promise to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, your sweet tooth. So visit our refreshment center now. Let's go. Guys, for the last few weeks, we have been checking out Factor's ready-made meals. Now, they tell us that eating better is easy with their delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, ready to go in two minutes. All that is great. It wouldn't matter if it didn't taste good. So, mm-hmm. I've, we've, I've had several. I've been eating them every couple of nights. I'll try one of these Factor meals. And then I had this turkey chili, and wow, was that good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my fiancé is vegetarian vegan, actually. So I went with the, yes. with the vegetarian option. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. And you did for the whole box. Okay. Yeah, for the whole box. You know, because they have like over 35 different options you can choose from like every single week. Mm-hmm. So I went with the vegan option or the vegetarian option. And let me tell you, they were pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Matter of okay. fact, she yeah. stole half of them. One to start with. Wow. She, she took so. them from you? Yeah. Yeah, my <laughs> wife and I have been trading out saying, oh, you try this and you try this and check it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was surprisingly good. And again, like I didn't realize that even that some of these that were even vegetarian, I didn't even know that. Didn't even know. Wow. Hmm. So what's really cool though, is that if you want to add something extra to all these different meal choices that mm-hmm. you're talking about, there's like 60 different add-ons to help you get going <laughs> and feel good basically all day long. And I don't mean mm-hmm. just like like an extra side or something like that. Like there's a whole bunch of breakfast add-on meals that you can add on to your subscription, not add on yeah. to the right, dinner yeah. meal, but like mm-hmm. to add to your meal plan for the day. And mm. I just think it's it's really awesome that they give you all these different choices so that you're not just tied in to just dinner or just lunch. Having breakfast mm-hmm. as part of one of these meal plans is, I think, kind of unique. I haven't seen that before in any of these meal yeah. delivery services. So I don't know what everybody's waiting for. It's time to get started <laughs> and get after your goals right now. Fuel up fast with Factors restaurant quality meals are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Pancakes and smoothies? Yes, please. Discover a wide <laughs> variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping or cooking or even cleanup required. Just throw it in the trash when you're done. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Let me tell you, if you're looking for something fast with premium options, Factor is the perfect solution for you. 
You guys know I'm the spreadsheet guy. Yep. I have done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every single meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Just head over to factormeals.com slash GenX50 and use code GenX50 to get 50% off. That's code GenX50 at factormeals.com slash GenX50 to get 50% off. Without further ado, it is time to get into our latest round of debates. Now, we already established we're debating remakes of uh, favorite Gen X films that got the treatment, the reboot or remake treatment. So the first one up on the docket that we selected was, man, we, we didn't start small. RoboCop. <laughs> RoboCop. Yep. So the original RoboCop came out in 1987, and then they had a remake in 2014. I quite like the remake. It, it was very different, but we're not actually debating whether the film is better or not. So yeah. in the case of RoboCop, we have decided the debate topic will be which actor was the better RoboCop. Mm. Yes. <laughs> we have Peter Weller. We have <laughs> Joe Kinnaman, both fine actors in their own right. Absolutely. Both have played this role in their own time. Yeah. So you have any thoughts on RoboCop in general before we get into this debate? For me, honestly, RoboCop is just it's one of those quintessential 80s films. I don't think mm -hmm. that you could release that same film from 1987 in today's no. you know, movie market. Oh, no. And it oh, no, would no. do well. I totally agree. Comparatively, it has not aged well. But because it was so beloved when it came out, I think that it brings up so much nostalgic feeling for it that you can't see past how it just it grabs a hold of that moment of time. And that's one of the things that we love to reflect on as Gen X grownups. I mean, I disagree a little bit, and this is not the debate topic. I think it does hold up okay. <laughs> but it's the pre-debate debate. <laughs> You're right, George. I mean, that original movie, I can't not think of those times. And if you had to name 10 movies from growing up, that'd have to be in one of them. Oh, yeah. They're one of your favorites. Yep. It was just one that I saw and just loved it as a kid. And I've seen it. I can't even tell you how many times I've rewatched that movie. So sure. All right. So with RoboCop, we're going to get into the same debate structure we've always done. We're going to debate mm -hmm. who was the better RoboCop. You'll each receive two minutes to state your, uh, your, your arguments. You'll then each get a 30 second rebuttal. And then I will render my judgment on who is. Are we going to do like the presidential topic. mute your microphone segment? Is that part of what we're going to have to do today? Because I don't know which one of us is Trump, but no, I, I, I think <laughs> you each have enough self-control that you can handle it yourself. Okay. All right. So we're going to start with a coin toss to determine who is going to start this out. So, uh, Mo, let's have you call it in the air and go. Wait, 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 Chaos. wait, wait. What, what, what? Wait, what? no, wait. What? what? I want a coin toss for to see who gets to call the coin toss. Can we have that? Let's do, let's do rock, paper, scissors to decide who gets to call the coin toss. <laughs> Mo can call the coin. Okay. Mo, I've already called. I flipped it. It's in the air. I have it in my hand. Heads or tails? Tails. It is heads. I'm sorry. Oh. That's okay. George, would you like to go first or second in I this first debate? I will go second debate? to try and no. preserve my sanity. Second. All right. So, Mo, you are taking the position that, in fact, Joel Kinnaman's RoboCop yes. was superior. And George will be taking the position that Peter Weller is, in fact, the better RoboCop. Are you the ready, correct sir? correct position. The more correct position will, is happy to go. Okay. <laughs> is happy to go. All right, Mo, you may begin. Okay. So, one thing I'll say is that it's almost unfair um, to even compare this because the original movie was very campy and I honestly believe that as much a fan of Peter Weller as I am I don't think he had much opportunity to really develop the character as much as Joel Kinnaman did in the remake the remake spent a lot more time on his relationship with his family spent a lot more time on just like him dealing with the fact that he is this thing you know um they did a lot more drastic, you know, even like the Robocop in the new movies, a lot more drastic changes. He actually sees himself like what's left of him. He actually sees that and he has to react to that. They did a lot more emotional pieces where he had to deal with, you know, kind of the dealing with the PSAD, um, PTSD, excuse me, of you know, like his kid and himself and stressing about how like, you know, he has to make sure his family can never see him like this. So that's why I'm saying that I think Joel Kinnaman was able to be a much, much better RoboCop than Peter Weller. You know, again, nothing against Peter Weller, nothing against the original film, but the original film was just a lot flatter. And he had to now granted, he I think he did an excellent job with what he had. But as far as who is a better RoboCop, who is a more rounded character, who had a who is more real, I guess, in a sense, um, I have to say Joel Kinnaman just 
kicked his ass in this case. You know, again, I think Peter Weller is awesome. I think he the movie is awesome. The original movie is great. I loved it. But, you know, looking at the scenes when he's dealing with all this trauma, dealing with all these personal issues, you know, I think the movie itself gave him a lot more opportunity. And I think George is probably going to come back with the argument. Well, that shows you how good Peter Weller is because he has less opportunity to do that. And he did a great job. Yeah, he did, but you only did you only do so good a job, you know, with what he had. And I think Joel Kinnaman took full advantage of this new movie. Wow, with one second remaining on the clock, Oops. well done, Mo. Okay, <laughs> so that was your two minutes. That was the argument for Joel Kinnaman. George, are you ready for your two minutes on the clock to represent Peter Weller? Wake up, George. Wake up. Wake up. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I nodded off about halfway through after he said the word Joel. Did did wow. he finish? He did. He did. Uh, okay. All right. W- Whatever. W- w- would you respectfully like to take your two minutes now? <laughs> I, not respectfully. I'm not respectful at all when I'm in a debate. But I absolutely will be happy to start my two-minute segment here. All right. You begin when you're ready, sir. Mo is absolutely correct. I am going to take the position that Peter Weller is the better RoboCop simply because he did more with less. Joel Kinnaman absolutely had a better script, had better writing, had better design, but he had nothing to do with that himself. He was given that and he took on the role and he acted. He did a decent job. I'm not going to say that he didn't. I actually enjoyed his performance in the remake. However, if you walk out onto the street today and ask anybody who has seen the films who's RoboCop, they're absolutely going to answer with Peter Weller. And as an example, when we were all talking about this debate before we started, we said, oh, who was the guy who played RoboCop in the remake? And we got it wrong half the time. We had to go look it up on imdb that shows you right there exactly how great of a job peter weller did yes the original movie was campy yes the original character was flat yes he did not have the family dynamics that any of the other remake had but what he did have was outstanding screen presence he was and is robocop joel kinman's a fine actor don't get me wrong and he plays a great cop and detective he's done it many many times in several different awesome roles however Peter Weller is RoboCop. There's just no debate about it. If you walk into the store right now and you looked up RoboCop merchandise, I guarantee you the original 1987 merchandise with Peter Weller's face on it is going to outsell the new one by 15 times or more. It's just ridiculous to even think that Joel Kinnaman's RoboCop is the quintessential RoboCop. Peter Weller is RoboCop. There's no doubt about it. When you think of RoboCop, you think Peter Weller. He did more with less and he built up a screen presence that has carried on for like almost 30 years now or over 30 years it's just crazy how good of a job peter weller did as robocop and time well done boy you both you put that right in the two minutes very nice yeah that's <laughs> what having a stopwatch on google does yeah, that, for helps, you. Doesn't it? <laughs> that definitely helps <laughs> all right mo i have a 30 second timer for your rebuttal are you ready i am yes i'm ready all right begin when you are George, you know, I think your problem is, is that you are looking into the past with these rose colored glasses. I mean, you know, you have to be able to look at these objectively and not take like these, the emotional stuff you had as a kid into effect when you're trying to look at which is a better movie. If these films were reversed and this one came out first, the other one came out second, then I think you'd be totally, you'd have a different story. And I don't think that's a fault on you. I think it's everybody. And it was tough to kind of look at these movies objectively and say who was actually a better RoboCop, who had a, who was more rounded, who had more. And presence. that is your time. Time, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. See, you don't need a mute button for me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see if you keep talking or not, right? <laughs> I stopped. I stopped. Hey, man, let me All keep right, going. George, and so the thing is your the final economy, bit, 30, economy seconds on the, 30 seconds on the clock. Well, hold when on. You're ready? Before let, my 30 yeah. seconds, let me yes. let me calm down a little bit because Mo was just talking over top of you. He can't stop talking. He is Trump. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I'm muting your mic from this point forward. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Trump again. Those are fighting words. Ooh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> when you are ready, George. Yes, I understand that the new film has better character story-driven elements. The writers are more mature, and absolutely, they gave Joel Kinnaman more to work with. The fact that when you go and ask people right now who's RoboCop and they see Peter Weller is the perfect example of why he played the role better. He had less to work with, and he did more with it. Joel Kinnaman's a fine actor, but Peter Weller defined RoboCop. He is RoboCop. Peter Weller is RoboCop. That's all that you can say. And time. All right, gentlemen. Well, RoboCop, like you, is near and dear to my heart. 
So I'm hearing both of your arguments on who is the better RoboCop. Now, George, you you pretty much, you you waited your statement on what is the general zeitgeist. Like if someone says who's RoboCop, they know it's Peter Weller. And I think there's some definite merit to that because that is who the character is embodied. But there's a bit of uh, the fact that he's had 30 plus years more and he's had three or four films to establish that, I think gives him a little bit of an edge in that. But, uh, you That's know. That's not true. <laughs> he wasn't in the other films. How was he not in the other films? He wasn't RoboCop in the other films. They had another actor playing him. Did they really? Yes. Okay. Fucking moderator doesn't know his goddamn history that he's about to argue and rule against me on. Shit. Calm down. <laughs> you don't know Calm he's going to rule against you. <laughs> Peter Weller has been in that role. People have known him for 30 years longer than Joel Kinnaman has been a RoboCop. So to say that he's more in the zeitgeist of the public, you know, for sure. Mo, your argument, I think, very well stated that they did more and they fleshed out the character more. And you can attribute that to the writers or the the actor himself or whatever. And I think, you know, that's also a good stance to say that the, the perhaps the Joel Kinnaman Robocop was more fleshed out as a more modern film. Um, however, we have gone back time and time again to say how much we all appreciate how people do more with less, whether it's in programming games, whether it's in working with you know, ancient technology or whatever. And so the argument that George made that really the fact that we had less technology, we had worse special effects, arguably worse writing, you know, a less mature kind of like Hollywood at the time. And so because of, not because of his legacy, not because of how long we've known him or who we think of when we think of RoboCop, I am going to declare that George has won this first debate. Peter Weller is, in fact, the better RoboCop because of his ability to do more with less and establish that character so firmly. So, see there, you're talking shit about me, and I was on my way to getting you the <laughs> Are you I tried sorry to talk yet? you out of it. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm never going to be sorry, but I will say one thing on Mo's behalf. I, I went back, and these are the only two films that I went and rewatched for this debate just because mm-hmm. I could remember a lot about the new one, yeah. okay. um, which says something to the movie itself, maybe. But after going back <laughs> yeah. and rewatching them, Mo, honest to God, the new one is way better than the old one. <laughs> as a film, right? As a, yeah, film. As a film, it's oh, as a way film, better. It's more of a story. It's not as... And also, they got rid of some of the campiness, right? So it, to me, they're almost like different movies, though, right? Well, and you, you got to realize, too, who the directors were. And I think the directors, oh, yeah. which we didn't talk about in this, you know, because it was a part of the subject, you know, when you're talking about crazy, overstyle, campy, serialized, whatever. Hell yeah. I mean, Big time. that guy, I mean, he directed Starship Troopers and Robocop and Starship Troopers are basically the same damn film. That's if a, you yeah. It's Verhoeven, right? Paul Verhoeven? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Verhoeven. Yeah, yeah. right. Yep. Where he his thing is like the over the top, not subtle. Oh yeah, and yeah, always it. about the government conspiracy right. and the commercials that he puts in all of his films. And I mean, yeah, I I think Mo's film was better. <laughs> I, I, I actually I would probably I, I mean they think they both have their merits and that you mm. know the original will yeah. have a place in my heart always. If you right, the sure. original one right, was right, pretty exactly. exciting. Well, you <laughs> the know, new one, I mean. the original one was great for fifteen year old me. Yeah, yeah. For That's teenager? right. Yeah, yes. Perfect. The time I watched it, it was perfect for me at that time. It was perfect and for the me new one was probably better for me at that time. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Okay. So we're one to zero. Even after George talking shit about me, he still got the point. So <laughs> Yeah, I know. Is that the secret? You have to talk shit about I'm, you? I'm going to automatically lose the next one now. <laughs> just, just on principle. Write it off. Yeah. <laughs> All right. More to come right after the break. We get the best of both worlds. The fastest reflexes modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. It is my great pleasure to present to you... Robocop. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. The score so far is one to zero in favor of George. Uh, and we said at the outset that, man, in many cases, if you're picking the remake, you might have an uphill road to traverse. Mm-hmm. But 
we're definitely trying to pick films that have, they both have merits, both the original and the remake. And we picked a great Gen X classic here for this next one. Oh. We're looking at The Karate Kid. Mm, mm. Yeah. Day of <laughs> Cobra, Cobra Kai on Cobra Netflix. Kai. And, Cobra Kai. Oh, man. Yep. So the original Karate Kid came out in 1984. And then the remake was with uh, well, Jackie Chan in mm-hmm. 2010. Yeah, 2010. Yeah. And the film itself was, was raked over the coals pretty hard. Uh, and I think rightfully so. I think there were things in it that uh, it kind of... Again, you're taking a Gen X classic and you're wrapping some new skin on it and you're going to rub some people the wrong way and it did a lot of people. Well, especially since they didn't even change the damn title. That pissed me off more than anything. But Because anyway, it could have been a whole different he's movie. He's not learning karate. <laughs> it didn't have to. I know. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. debate well, hasn't started yet. This is some bullshit. Oh, please. Anyway, so move on. <laughs> Says the guy who was raking the moderator over the coals moments ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right, see? Everybody's against me now. <laughs> For those right, of you out there listening, yourself. right in. To <laughs> and stop the madness. <sighs> so anyway, <laughs> we are not talking about which is the better film or which is named no. most correctly. In this debate, we are specifically talking about in these two films, which had a better student sensei relationship. Oof. How was it better represented? How was emotionally? Or as Dwight Schrute would say, senpai. 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 <laughs> So in this case, Mo is going to be taking the position that the 1984 film had a better Mm. student-teacher relationship. Uh, and George is taking the position that the 2010 film somehow was better. Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> somehow. Not that you're biased, right? No, no. Fucking bullshit. No, no. So we've agreed to, to ping pong this. So rather than a coin toss each time, mm. we're going to switch who goes first. So in the case of The Karate Kid, George will be going first, defending yes. the relationship in the 2010 film. All right. George, are you ready, sir, to begin? Well, not with all everything stacked against me here. Jesus Christ. Uh, I have Lord. heard how great a debater you are, so I have no questions that you'll do fine. You're such a <laughs> we have liar. Two minutes on the clock. <laughs> you, you may begin when you're ready. Okay. There are two Karate Kid films. One of them teaches karate. The other one teaches Kung Fu. So I know it's going to be a little bit confusing, but that's neither here nor there to this debate. What really matters is a relationship between two characters. And in the 2010 remake, The Karate Kid, the relationship between Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith is unbelievably better than Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita. Don't get me wrong. Pat Morita, I still think he's probably the best Miyagi of all time. I love Pat Morita. God rest his soul. However, the relationship between Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith is so intense in this movie. The The fact that they rewrote the Miyagi character to have lost his family in a DUI accident of his car, and that's central to the characters. And, you know, Jaden Smith walks in and there's that car that he's rebuilding and you don't figure that out until the second third of the film is when it's revealed and Jaden Smith is in this foreign country where he is being ridiculed and abused it adds an extra layer and element to that character that you you know you don't really get in the cross-country travel of Ralph Macchio's character yeah he goes from New York to California but it's completely different when you're in a land where you don't even speak the language and I just think that Jaden Smith's character learned so much more from Jackie Chan's character. Jackie Chan's character, you know, took that loss of his own child and transposed it onto Jaden Smith to become his his child, in a sense, in this film and defend him and teach him the ways of kung fu and life. It's just so beautiful, so poetic. I mean, it makes me cry every single time I watch that film, and I've watched it multiple times, which is odd because I love the original Karate Kid so much. I probably watched that film you know four or five times a year but this new one is so great the relationship between those two jackie chan jaden smith it just outshines ralph macchio and pat Morita. and that is your clock well done okay well stated you made some good salient points mo are you ready for uh your time on the clock two minutes here oh yeah i'm ready all right you may begin <laughs> when you are oh, he's confident he's ready to swing it <laughs> i am ready. all right Damn when it. you're ready <laughs> All right, so I I don't know how you even compare these two relationships. The original Karate Kid was the relationships, you could see the relationship between those two in just the small 
moments. You know, it's those small moments that just totally tie that relationship together. When the from the very first time they meet and he's trimming the bonsai trees and he says, uh, Miyagi, he goes and Miyagi corrects the pronunciation. And you see Ralph Miyacho correcting pronunciation under his breath like he was like, you know, he was listening to his dad or something like that who would make a comment like that. I mean, that whole relationship was just it just built up to the point where, you know, at the end, you know, when they made the subsequent movies, um, you know, you could totally see Ralph Macchio living with Pat Morita, you know. Um, you can see them being together. You can see them starting a business together. You can see that relationship just continuing. And it even shows that how well they, when they did Cobra Kai, you know, Pat Morita is still there. You know, he's still affecting even this new show that's come out, what, 30 something years later. You know, um, just look at the character too. And you say that, you know, okay, you know, the cross country versus, versus the cross country, you know, thing kind of thing. I mean, Ralph Macchio's character, one, um, hate to say it, Ralph Macchio, way better actor than Jay Smith. Um, and he really brought that, you know, New Jersey kid, not New York, New Jersey kid to California and feeling out of place, not feeling he belongs. And then having Pat Morita, his character was just like this amazing, you know, emotional support person that just kind of brought him in. Um, I mean, and the whole scene where, you know, when you find out about Pat Morita's past and his family being destroyed, you know, getting being dying and all that stuff. And you see Ralph Macchio's, Ralph Macchio's reaction to that. You know, it's not like a big scene. It's a small scene. He just quietly backs away, bows and walks out. I mean, that relationship was so strong and so powerful. I can't think of another relationship in any movie that comes even close to that. And that is your time. All right. Both very good establishing arguments. George, I have 30 seconds on the clock for your rebuttal if you are prepared. Well, I'll give it a shot. All right, when you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Pat Barita is one of the best actors of all time, especially for that role, which he they didn't even want to give it to him. Jackie Chan, though, when he relates to not only Jaden Smith's character, but also himself, it's just magic. And I get that... Yes, we have the nostalgic rose-colored glasses argument. I'm not going to use that here because it's not really important. All that matters is that you saw two people come together over Kung Fu. Okay, and that is your time. All right, Mo, your final 30-second rebuttal on the clock when you are ready. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of see where you're going with that, George, but I, again, I just have to disagree. It's, when you look at the relationship, it's, you know, it's such a coming of age and he's really teaching Ralph Macho how to be a man, right? That's really what it comes down to, you know, how to be responsible, how to, you know, handle relationships, how to handle himself, most of all, you know, and Pat Marita's character, he grows in the specs that, you know, he starts letting somebody else into his life and that's what makes it amazing. And time. All right. You know, I often say you guys don't make it easy, but you kind of did here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> we said at the outset, it's tough if you are taking the position of the remake, just because of the, the place that the originals hold in our heart. But George, you you definitely made some very good points, though, despite the fact you, you took the position of the remake. Which was um, tough. <laughs> there was a bigger story going on in the, uh, in, in the remake, in the 2010 version of this film, most certainly. But is this almost a parallel? We just talked about Robocop, where there's a large larger story and there's more going on and maybe a better structured film and there's more gravitas. But even as you made your debate, George, I felt that maybe your heart wasn't in it. So more than anything, going back to your arguments and RoboCop are still ringing in my ears, doing more with less. The relationship that I saw in the 84 that Mo presented. So in this case, I have to award it to Mo. The 1984 Karate Kid had a better student-teacher relationship. So you say that George's awesome argument in the first one helped me here? <laughs> That's how good I am at this goddamn wow. game. You're I'm so winning good. shit for other people. No, I'm not going to give you any credit for this, but you know, that's awesome. So was I projecting, George, or am I right? Do you have the same? It's, well, so as a moderator, you shouldn't use something from a previous debate in order to help you decide a new debate. It should be decided on its own merits, but... I'm totally giving up. There's no fucking way that the <laughs> Kung Fu Jackie Chan film is better in any way, shape, or form than the original Karate Kid. Cobra Kai proves that over and I over again. I would not again. have yeah. used that logic except for that Mo used it again himself. Mo, so he introduced you didn't, it. All you had to do was use the logic for giving Mo the victory of the second Karate Kid didn't spawn shit. The first one has spawned a whole new series that everybody <laughs> loves so much now they're dying oh, yeah. for it on YouTube or oh, Netflix. Oh, I heard him play the Cobra Kai car. Believe me. Oh, he yeah. did. Oh, yeah. And oh, he yeah. should have. He should have played that one harder, actually, but yep. still. Well, I said that. And Pat Marinas, his character is in, he's there in Cobra Kai, too, you know? In spirit, for sure. Oh, yeah. In spirit. Yeah. That was a, almost a no brainer. That was a slam. The that it continues <laughs> yeah. to have. I'll take an easy win. That's okay. Because I'm probably going to lose the rest. George took one for the team. What a sport. <laughs> 
All right, we're halfway through and we're all tied up. We have a couple more on the way. Next one's coming up right after this. This place is a dump. You should go back to New Jersey. Hey, you ever taught anyone? No. Who would you? I promise teach karate. You promise learn. I say you do. No, I haven't seen you around. Have you been looking? Sort of. Sort of. Wax on. Wax off. Don't forget to breathe. Very important. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. We are moving on to the next Gen X film remake debate. Uh, it's tied up right now. We had some Karate Kids and RoboCop fisticuffs going on and uh, come out <laughs> one to one after that. We're moving on to one that uh, George might have a bit of an edge in. We have a sports film, sort of, well, I guess, <laughs> if Little League is sports. Yeah, but then but then I got the, the remake, so <laughs> the well, edge may have been nullified. You couldn't get all of the advantages. That's just not fair. <laughs> but we're talking about the Bad News Bears. Oh, mm. Great movies. Great movies. So the original film from 19... 1976, and then the mm-hmm. remake in 2005 with, with Billy Bob Thornton was in yeah. it then, right? Yeah. yeah. He was in everything around the early 2000s. Why wouldn't he be? Now, I think it's, again, so tough to compare the films, just which is a better yeah. film. We could argue an entire show about any one of these on that criteria, but we're going to pick specifically something that happened in both of those films in their day, or even out of their day, there was a great deal of shocking content. The film was a bit controversial because we had kids doing things that kids maybe shouldn't do, and doing it on film. And I'm not going to talk about those are. I'll save those for the debate. We'll discuss that. But we're specifically debating here which of the films, whether the 2005 or the 1976 film, in which was there more shocking content or shocking behavior? And in this one, you already said, George, you are taking the position of the 2005 film. Yeah. And Mo is taking the 1976 film film. I don't envy either of you in this case. This is uh, this is an uphill battle. <laughs> Do you have any shit talk, George, before we get going? I know often you like to kind of... <laughs> Wait, don't, 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 don't poke the bear. No, Jeez, don't do it. It feels weird. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, these these films, I, I love both of these films. Yeah, so no I matter which one I got to choose I, or debate for, I was happy. So I think they're both fun films and they're mm-hmm. different films than what you think of when you think of sports films. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and in this case, I think this debate, you have the most level playing field because it's not really about the quality of the film or the actors. You need to prove to me which one had the more shocking content. So Mo, I have your two minutes on the clock. When you are ready, sir, you may begin. Okay, so in a way, this is, I feel unfair that George's got the later version because you really have to take these films in the context of the time they were shown to see which one was more shocking. Um, in 1976, it was all about trying to break norms. You know, Saturday Night Live and these other shows came out that were trying to push the envelope. And this movie, which surprisingly got a PG rating, which they had to fight for, um, just and not make it R, you know, they did things that for one side, everyone says, yeah, these are more realistic kids. And the other side, people, didn't see kids like this in movies. You didn't see kids cursing. You didn't see kids smoking. You didn't see kids riding around motorcycles, you know, unless it was a bad kid, you know, like in the sense of, you know, back in the movies of the 60s and such. Um, and even those, those weren't kids. Those were usually older children. So here's about 11, 12 year olds cursing, you know, blah, 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 calling each other's names, doing racial slurs and all that stuff. On top of that, you look in, you bring in Walter Matthau's character, his coach. I mean, he's drinking, you know, he's drinking and driving. He's taking advantage of the kids, you know. Now, granted, that character itself is probably not surprising in that time for the movies. But what's surprising was that he was doing that with children around, you know, which, again, you know, you probably couldn't pick many movies. We saw adults over drinking in front of children. So I think they and that was unintentionally, I think, for to one, they think he wanted to shock people. But in a sense, it was, you know, more realistic because I remember kids, 11, 12 year olds, we would that was fun to curse all the time. You know, that was how you look tough. So 
I think that one did a lot better job. I think the original movie just did just um, because of the time it came out, it just did a much better job of actually trying to have that shock value to kind of wake people up and pay more attention. Whereas today, I mean, I think to do something equivalent, I mean, they would have had those kids like smoking crack in a dugout or something. I don't know what, you know, but they had to do something more. And so that's why I think the original was definitely more. Okay. And that is your time. Okay, George, you heard what Mo has to say. I did. You now have two I, I minutes actually on stayed the clock awake this time. To the, you, you know, thank you. Wow. I appreciate that. I, we knew it was coming. We knew it was coming. <laughs> we, I have your two minutes on the clock. When you are ready, you may begin. <laughs> All right, you want shocking behavior? All you have to say is Billy Bob Thornton fucks your mom. That's what happened in the Bad News Bear 2005 remake, ladies and gentlemen. He actually had sex with one of the characters' mothers. And the kid caught him in the house. There's nothing more shocking than that when you're eight, nine years old and your baseball coach walks out of your mother's bedroom and then tells you to oil your glove. Let me tell you, folks, that's pretty damn shocking. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. Instead of going back to Chico's bail bonds for the sponsors, Billy Bob Thornton, no, 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 no. He's going to the local strip club, Bebop Strip Club, and he gets them to sponsor the team. Not only do they sponsor the team, the strippers come out to the game to be cheerleaders leaders in the stands it is so damn awesome you want to talk about drinking jack lemon he's or walter mouthow rather i get those two guys confused because they're all lovable old grandpas they're not shocking at all but he's just drinking beer billy bob thornton he's pouring out beer and pouring in whiskey that's billy bob thornton there's no more shocking actor in the film universe than billy bob thornton especially in 2005 the characters i mean you've got a whole bunch of racial stuff going on but then you've also got a kid in a wheelchair playing catcher who's cussing at everybody and using that wheelchair as an excuse for everybody to give him whatever he wants he then he gets blinded in his eye and he's oh my goodness it is just so funny and controversial and rude you've still got the tanner boils in there and you've still got all the little hellraiser makers kids and everything You've got the coach that's across the field from them that is still playing the jerk coach of the Yankees. It is so much fun. They do almost a shot-for-shot remake, but yet it is 10 times more controversial and the content is more shocking simply because Billy Bob Thornton had a huge input into the film's script. That's why instead of PG, it's PG-13, ladies and gentlemen, and that's more shocking. Okay, and that is your time. All right, Mo? Yeah. Time for your rebuttal. You heard what George had to say. I put 30 seconds on the clock. Billy Bob fucks your mom. (laughs) (laughs) When the the peanut gallery quiets and you are ready, you can begin. (laughs) Okay. So the whole scene with him, the mom was, that was weak. I think they were trying to, the movie was trying to push things to make things seem more controversial without really doing it. And they did it like a little bit, not a lot. The biggest scene I could think of that was a big controversy in the first one, when the dad comes out to the mound and smacks his kid. The first movie, he actually physically smacks his kid to the ground. The second movie, we can't have that. He shoves him lightly, you know, and he falls. You know, more shocking? Are you kidding me? If they wanted to make a more shocking scene, they could have made that one way more shocking. Which and they that is your time. Okay. So, George, you have the final word since you had to begin. I've placed 30 seconds on the clock for you whenever you are ready. Mo, you're absolutely correct. The first kid slapping scene was quite a bit more controversial. However, I don't think you could have Greg Kinnear playing that same scene the same way. And I love the fact that he throws him down and it wasn't lightly. He threw that kid to the ground. I was surprised the kid didn't break something. There are reports that the kid was injured on set. I'm not verifying those, but that's what I've heard. I still think that Billy Bob Thornton over Walter Matthau is why this film is more controversial and more shocking. And that is your time. All right, gentlemen. Huh. I'm, I don't know how this one's going to go, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting case. I really, I really, so neither of these are my favorite film. I don't have a dog in this race. I'll say that. Uh, I've seen them both uh, at least once, but it's not one I go back to again and again. So in this case, I was really relying on the debaters to tell me what it was about their film that presented something more shocking and controversial in it. And in the case of the 1976 film, Mo, what I heard from you was a lot more information about the state of the union at the time that the film came out and a lot less detail about the things that I should have been shocked by. Now, they may have been there and it may just be that we didn't get 
enough granular detail. Um, and and fornicating mothers notwithstanding, George presented <laughs> several examples uh, in, in his debate about why the 2005 film with Billy Bob Thornton was more shocking and controversial for its time. And I think that the points you actually made, Mo, in defense of your film tells me that they had an easier, it was easier to offend people in, in 1976 because of, of making offense was what it was all about. And because everybody was trying to be edgy and you had uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Blazing Saddles was coming out around this time, right? I mean, you're, you're trying to find things that are edgy and are controversial. And whereas the Bad News Bears had probably had a, a, a more of a, a tough road to hoe in 2005 to actually be shocking and still get released in a, a, a PC kind of world. So in this case, based on the information strictly I received from the debates, George, I'm going to award this one to you. Wow. Bad News Bears wow. from 2005. I think you presented your case much better. Uh, there may be more to see in the other films, but based on that, you've definitely won me over. Wow, you're totally Bob wrong. Fuck 2005 was not, that movie was not shocking at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't think so, huh? movie. No, not at all. I had nothing in there. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. You know, I, I didn't feel that I heard any of that coming out of the 76 film either. So in this to case. be honest with you, I remember watching the 76 film as a child. I didn't have that feeling then either, though. I don't really? think I was shocked hmm. at the 76 film when I watched it. The only maybe close, and I was worried that Mo was going to win the debate with this, was the slap the on beer. the mound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the yeah, beer I, was nothing. Yeah, and so Walter Malthal yeah. couldn't be shocking if he walked out in a, yeah, in a mesh <laughs> bikini. Walter Matthau is not shocking at all. Well, that would be pretty shocking, actually. Yeah, that's true. That would be, that would be edgy. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I hear Mo's a little sore about that. I apologize, but that's what I heard. <laughs> eh, that's okay. At least I've got a tie now. No, you're the lead. I, I know I've got the tie. Worst you can do is tie. We're two to one. We have one more coming your way right after the break, so stick around. There is no limit to what some men will do for money, especially a man like Morris Buttermaker even if it meant coaching an unlikely group called the Bad News Bears. The Bad News Bears, the incredible story of how a disaster combined with a catastrophe and somehow became the greatest champs who ever played ball. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories, I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. We have made it to the last film in our Gen X remakes debate, and we're two to one, two points for George, one point for Mo, and uh, Mo has an uphill battle. He has selected the newer, the remake film this time Mm. around. Yeah. And this time we have chosen the best film that ever featured a three-breasted woman. (laughs) True. (laughs) There are others, but this is the best. Total Recall. (laughs) There are others? (laughs) I kind of want to see the others now. Well, there's at least two that we know of. (laughs) (laughs) originally released in 1990 and then a remake in 2012 which you very easily could have missed it was in and out of the theaters pretty fast but it was not too bad and uh and you were noting uh, between segments here george that this might be the closest we get to talking about which is the better film using air quotes again yeah because in this case we're not talking about again they were what 30 years apart 20 20 30 let's see yeah 20 years apart no i can't do math 22. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> They're more than 20 years apart, so there is more CG available, there was more special effects available, uh, there was you know, the more you can do in a more mature Hollywood, all that comes into play. But we're talking about what is at the heart of any film. We're going to be debating which one had a better story, a story to be told and how they presented it. And in uh, this example, George is taking the 1990 position that that film had a better story, and Mo is tackling the 2012 version of the film. Yeah, I'm ready. In fact, he believes yeah, had a better story. Any predictions? Any thoughts? Any shit talk, George? I know you're going to squeeze that in somewhere. Why do you always go to George for the shit talk? <laughs> That's where it comes from. I don't need a, George, just one, I don't need I mean, a prompt. On. I can shit talk anytime <laughs> I need to. I'll take care of it without you reminding me. Understood. <laughs> Notes taken. That's his shtick. I mean, come on. You know? <laughs> it's just like that Gallagher segment. I've fucking played this game before. I know 
what I'm doing. <laughs> Total Recall, we've all seen a bajillion times the first mm-hmm. one for sure, and we know that film so well. So it's going to be incumbent upon each presenter, though, to tell me what about the story makes it better. So, George, if you are ready, sir, I have your two minutes sitting on my clock, ready to begin. So whenever you are comfortable, you may go. All righty. 1990, Arnold Schwarzenegger, not exactly the greatest actor on the world, but definitely one of the top played (laughs) action film actors of all time. However, we're talking about the story here. And the story in the 1990 film was far and above the best of the two Total Recall films. Let me explain why. Number one, you have the controversy of all controversies. Is it real or is it not? Was it memory implant that went awry or did it really happen? We don't know. Even to this day, there are debates and debates upon debates on every webpage you can think of about Total Recall as to whether or not that was really them standing on Mars with a blue sky or whether that was all just in his warped mind after the memory blowout. It is a beautifully crafted storyline that brings you back and forth. And every time you rewatch the film, you find little nuggets to take you back, like a commercial that was playing in one scene that you didn't even notice that now it has a profound meaning in the story after you start wondering whether or not it was real or alive. The little hidden things that the people in the lab are saying, huh, alien artifact on Mars. That's interesting. And that it just goes by you over your head until later on in the film when stuff starts to happen. Blue Sky on Mars is one of the most quoted lines ever from that film. And I think that it's easy to say it's the better story because you're still talking about it today. It still makes people want to go back and rewatch the film. It's still played and replayed in different like these little mom and pop two screen theater settings. They still play Total Recall 1990 today. As you stated earlier, John, and I'm glad you made this point for me, 2012 was barely even in the theater. So I don't think there's any choice other than to say the original 1990 film, because of all of its different plots and subplots and controversies and things that it leaves open to your imagination, that's exactly why it's the better story. Okay. And your time. By the way, I wasn't trying to make a point for you, just stating a fact. (laughs) (laughs) So don't go dragging me into your shenanigans. (laughs) All right, Mo, the 2012 film that was briefly in theaters, yet I'm sure had a fine story you'll tell us about. Two Mm -hmm. minutes on the clock when you are ready, sir. As much as I love the first Total Recall, to say it had a better story is just honestly ridiculous. I mean, think of the story. So you got Arnold Schwarzenegger thinks, you know, he wants to go to Recall and you wonder if he's actually a secret agent or not. He goes to Mars where there's all these weird mutants and then they somehow have these machines that make Mars into a livable planet. Um, Huh? Like what? Uh, Okay, what's the story in there? (laughs) I'm not really sure. You know, it just seemed like a whole bunch of stuff that was put together for, you know, crazy shock value to kind of make something interesting rather than trying to make like a decent story. Um, the new one with Colin Farrell, now that one actually had a real story behind it. I mean, you look at his character, you know, is the reason why he was put into those situations, the reason why his memory got wiped and rewiped, you know, his things about him talking to himself more than one time in this movie, you know, all this lends into a huge background into what's going on. And it, it was a lot deeper movie. I mean, you got a lot more into the society, into the, what was going on around them. The the whole idea of Mars even was kind of weird. You know, they touched on it, I think, in the second movie, just as more of an homage, really, than the, because it really wasn't anything to do with the plot. But, you know, you start getting into the bad, the evil character in this and how he's, you know, not trying to take over the mutants, which whatever the hell that is. But instead, you know, he's trying to take over people and societies and stuff like that. It, it was a much, much better written story. It had a lot more depth to it. It had a lot more going with it and it was well done. So you didn't feel lost and it wasn't like all these crazy, weird little offshoots that really had no meaning. Like, why would you put the mutant guy in the stomach? I don't know. Maybe you'll say, well, that's why you remember it. Well, I remember a lot of things that doesn't make him good. <laughs> so it's it was an overall, like I said, and at, as far as the end is, you know, did he do it? Didn't he do? You know, is it a fantasy? Is it not a fantasy? Well, you don't know that at the end of the second movie either. Um, so again, you kind of left guessing, not as much as the first one, I admit, but I think that aspect is still there. And time. All right. So as a reminder, we are at two to one. It's either going to be a blowout or a tie and here we are going to the rebuttals and I am not swayed I'm not convinced one way or the other it is well, still great. does that mean game. we get to do our 30 second rebuttals so that we can sway you that it's time for that now <laughs> Jesus I'm letting you know that it all hinges on your rebuttal I have not made my decision okay <laughs> so George 30 seconds on the clock when you're ready 
Okay, so for me, there's one simple fact that you can see as to why which one is better. 2000, uh, 1990 world gross, 261000 2012 world box office gross, 211000 The fans have spoken. The 1990 film had the better story. And you see the rest of your time. Okay. Yep. All right. 30 seconds okay. on the clock for your rebuttal, Mo, when you're ready, sir. Um, I'm not sure what box office has to do with a good story. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of movies that did really well in the box office that were crap. But that being said, you know, you look at the story, you know, again, the second movie didn't hit you. It wasn't trying to hit you over the head with a sledgehammer with anything, you know, whereas the first movie, that's all they had. Like They had no other tool in their arsenal than a sledgehammer. You know, at the end of the second movie, you know, if you look subtly at the end, they have the recall advertisement in the background to make you wonder what's going on. So, again, a better story does that and doesn't need to hit over the head with it and time okay yeah that little timer sound threw me off i thought i was <laughs> done with my time that's why i stopped <laughs> all right i said it all hinged on the rebuttals and uh i'm not sure how much the rebuttal helped to sway me one way or the other i'm i'm currently making up my mind still i'm not convinced one way or the other <laughs> you're oh my god he's undecided voter so let think. me let me let me just think out loud <laughs> through my thought process so george you commented on the the box office and and, and, and frankly the most statement back to that, that the box office doesn't matter, doesn't tell you whether the story was good or not, I think is is perfectly accurate. Just because you had a huge box office doesn't mean you had a good or a bad story. There's a lot of factors around that. And in the case of, in every other film, there was, we said that kind of the incumbent was the original, the Gen X original film. And the new film had a bit of a, a an uphill battle. It could be that the new film, the new Total Recall from 2012 in this case, might actually have a little bit of an advantage because it was in a more modern Hollywood and storytelling was a little more mature. But I'm I'm definitely trying to put out of my head my how I feel about one film or the other. Hmm. Damn, guys. <sighs> I, oh, well, we can think. I'll take I, that as a win. I, I, I have to award it to Mo. I, as much as I don't want to tie, as much as we, that's <laughs> one that I know we all hate ties. Somebody wants to win. But the points that you made, Mo, for me, and I, I wish I'd written down exactly the quote that you made, but it had to do with, it's not so much whether I remembered or not. I remember lots of crazy shit. That doesn't mean it was great storytelling. And I love the original Total Recall. There's no question about that. But I remember enjoying the second one as much, probably. And there was more going on in it. It was less of a cartoon and it was more of a more mature film. So to me, that might be a little bit better storytelling, but I didn't factor that in. So in this case, we actually are going to end on a two to two tie. You both I'll did an outstanding For me, that's job. a win because George is better at this than me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said the last time. A tie is a win for me. I'm using that same argument. Excellent performance from yes. both of you. Well done, George. I, I almost wish we had one more so that yeah, we could end on a tie. Well done shit. But I'm, I'm tired of these goddamn ties. <laughs> well, next time, maybe you'll actually do some research. You, you never do research and you tie. Imagine how good you would do if you did no, some research. No, I, I believe I, I beat someone once. And then two ties, yeah, which is it, fun. Because it's engineered to be a tie when you have an even number of topics. <laughs> or you could, it could be a sweeping victory as well. Both are opportunities for you. <laughs> Look <laughs> at an opportunity, not a challenge. Hey, all I'm happy about is that at least I didn't drop out of debate because I couldn't muster up enough courage to debate against something that I didn't believe in. There you go. See, well done. <laughs> then you can claim a victory. Congratulations. Sounds like I can totally live with that. <laughs> your mind. It is the center of your life. It is everything you hear. Everything you see, everything you feel, it is everything you are. How would you know if someone stole your mind? If there was anything in this show you'd like to learn more about, the show notes which accompany each episode are full of links to click and explore. Catch up on past episodes and get pinged every time a new one's released by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, iTunes reviews help more than you know. So if you haven't yet, please rate and review us in the iTunes app. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. You're our fourth listener, and we'd love to read your emails right here on the show. So hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is more than just this podcast. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of videos ready for you to enjoy. Plus, you can find our entire body of work on genxgrownup.com. 
That will bring to an end another of our debate-themed Backtrack episodes. Before we leave, we always like to take just a moment here toward the end of the show to give our express and sincere gratitude hmm. to the people who support us financially over on Patreon. And I want to thank each and every one of you personally. <sighs> Thank you, Agile, Sean, Adam, Chad, Ben, Arlen, Mark, Tony, Travis, Thomas, Jonathan H., Dan, Matt, Levi, Lee, Marcus, Jason, Blasseter, Stashit, Chewbacca, Greg Z, Chet, Greg L., David, Stu Monkey, Mike C., Shelby, Dana, Butterspider, T2, Slowmo, Stian, and Davis. Wow. All folks who give a few bucks every month support what we do here on the podcast over on YouTube and on the website. Mo, if a fourth listener is interested in joining this roster, would you let them know how they can go about doing that? Oh, sure. It's it's super easy. All you have to do is go to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. It'll take you right to the site. There you get to pick from multiple levels, depending on what you can afford and what you can do for us. We appreciate mm-hmm. anything you can do. But the more you give, we have some little extras in there, like some back behind the scenes stuff. We have some swag we give out. And and for that special, very limited opportunity, patron, you can even influence the show and what we do. So mm-hmm. it's an awesome opportunity. And every little bit you give just shows us how much you want us to keep doing it and really helps us keep going. It really puts gas in the tank. It sure does. Thank you, Mo, for that. And thank you, fourth listener, for tuning in for this backtrack. We'll be back in two weeks with another backtrack. But next week is a regular edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know, I appreciate you. Oh, man, always fun. And fourth listener, we appreciate you most of all and we will talk to you next time bye-bye see you guys take care everybody Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com unacceptable for grown-ups your dinner cannot just be french fries basically life sucks as a grown-up It's like Schrodinger's coin toss. It's like until I tell you what it is, it could be either one. (laughs) Science, science, science. Science, Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.